0: If you were here last week, we're in Proverbs chapter 3, you want to go ahead and, um, and turn to that, and, and last week we, we looked at the topic, if we want to have a truly joyful life, what do we need to do? How do we have a truly joyful life? And, and we looked in, in what the scripture had to say about uh, joy, and, and joy is not always happiness, in fact, we can have joy without happiness, we can have happiness without joy. And so, uh, as we were looking at Proverbs chapter three, uh, one and two, we talked about the first thing you do. If you want to, to really have joy is you keep God's commands. And each one of these Proverbs, I only got through two of them, but each one of these Proverbs, it says, if you'll do this, then this will be the result. And it's actually a good result. It's a, a command from God. And there's a good result that brings joy. But what we failed to talk about last week was if you don't follow this command, then the opposite's going to happen. There won't be joy. In fact, there'll be consequences and scripture talks about that. So the very first one in, in verse one and two was keep God's commands. And we talked uh, about one of the most important commands that the Jewish people would have had would was the Shema, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then Jesus added to that. And said, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the result. You're going to have length of days. You're going to have years of life. And then you're going to have peace. And we ask the question, how many people in here, or how many people in the world are looking for peace? Well, he tells us right here, keep God's commands. Now, I reminded everybody here, these are for the followers of Jesus. Okay, this is not just if you keep God's command as a moral person, you're going to have peace because you won't. There has to be peace that we just sang about. Peace that comes from the Lamb who died on the cross for our sins to take our place. And so that now for those that are followers of Jesus, when you follow God's commands, there's going to be joy. It's not for the non-follower of Jesus. The non-follower of Jesus needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus. That's how you can have joy. So number one, keep God's commands. Number two, we talked about how to keep kindness and truth close to you in verses 3 and 4 said this, don't let kindness and truth leave you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and you will find good favor and repute in the sight of God. Man, so we talked a little bit about what does kindness look like? What is absolute truth and how the world's looking for that? And then we talked about a big word called phylacteries, which were basically these little like headbands and these wristbands where uh, the people, especially the children as they were growing up, would put Bible verses, like long passages of Bible verses, in their their little tubes on their arms and on their forehead, and they would memorize them. So when Solomon's writing to his son and says, hey, bind these truths around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, he's not saying memorize scripture because they already did that. Just a little side note. How many of us actually make it a, a habit or a discipline to memorize God's word? psalm says your word god have i hid in my heart that i may not what sin against you god's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that's something that maybe you're convicted about right now that you need to make a change today and say lord i'm going to start memorizing your word i was talking to one of our teenagers today you can get so much theology from teenagers this is this is so good and they were telling me about how they they stayed up till three o'clock in the morning watching binging on some show i've stranger things. I think that's what it's called. Uh, I, don't, I don't know anything about this, but I just thought, okay, how much time do we spend doing whatever? What if we did that with God's word? I'm not saying don't watch these things. I'm not saying don't spend time on social media. I'm just saying, what if we did that with God's word? You got what I'm saying? So the Jewish people, they would have understood memorizing scripture, but the writer says, no, no, no. Bind them around your neck and wrap them on the Write them on the tablet of your heart, which would have been like a tattoo. And many of you saw the tattoos up there. And for all you tattoo owners or wearers or whatever you call yourself, you're like, yeah, tattoos are good. I wasn't saying tattoos are good or bad. I was just showing you some of my friends and their tattoos and the 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 spiritual meaning behind them. By the way, there's there's a meaning behind every tattoo. I found not all of them are spiritual. Not all of them are spiritual. I've seen some that was like, well, what was he thinking? Usually it was a he, I try and make it a point not to look at women's tattoos or what, what you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Cause you know, the little butterfly, it starts out as a butterfly and like 20 years later it becomes a pterodactyl. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's just, sorry. If you have a butterfly, God bless you. I'm just back to the scriptures. So he says, take the scripture. Don't just put it in your minds. But but write it on the tablet of your heart, and then here's going to be the result. If you write it on the write it on the tablet of your heart, you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and men. So so point number three, where we're going to pick up today, Proverbs chapter three, verse five through ten. You follow along with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will bring healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all your produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So number three, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Trust in the Lord, not yourself. Now that's a very, uh, of course we know we're supposed to trust in the Lord, not ourselves. And, And many of you have probably grown up maybe even memorizing this scripture. This is a very famous passage, if you will, from Proverbs chapter three. But when we say trust the Lord, not yourself, this is the exact opposite of what we're taught by the world. Exact opposite. The world might say something like this, trust yourself, believe in yourself. I want to quote Pastor Scott. This is something he said a a month or two ago, and then he said it several times since then as we began our study on James. He said, you are your own worst counselor. I thought about that. Don't trust yourself. You can talk yourself into... A lot of different things. You're, you're a terrible counselor to yourself. Trust the Lord, not yourself. So what does the scripture have to say about this? Well, in Jeremiah, I love this passage. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Now this is the NIV version. Here's what Jeremiah has to say about trusting yourself and your heart. Here's what he says. The heart is deceitful Above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? It's deceitful and beyond cure. Have you ever asked yourself this question? How in the world did I think that? How in the world did I do that? I told you all about my little road rage issue last week, and um, we're not going to recap that because it was very not good. But anyway, um, I, afterwards I was like, if the Holy Spirit was convicted, like, What was I thinking? You ever said something to your spouse or maybe you ever said something to your kids because they were just being kids? And for whatever reason, that kid knows exactly where your button is and exactly where you are on the level of losing it. You know what I'm talking about on the level of losing it? You know what I'm talking about, moms? You know what I'm talking about? You're on this like certain level and the kids know, okay, well, she's only right here so I can push this button, but if she's right here, all I have to do is that, and mom 's going over the top. I think sometimes they do it just to see you do it like let' let 's just see what happens let 's just see what happens and, and I, as I, as I was uh, counseling myself or listening to myself last week after my little road rage incident, and by the way i didn 't stop or pull over the guy you know pull over and we get in a fight or anything like that i didn 't do any of that, but uh, it was it was still a conviction of the Holy Spirit that said that 's not a good heart. Your heart is deceitfully wicked and beyond cure. So if it's beyond cure, the, the, another word for that is your heart is what? Is sick. Well, we know that, right? You ever tried to teach your uh, two-year-old how to tell a story? Not a story, a lie. You ever tried to teach your two-year-old how to say, mine? Like, okay, let's sit down today and let's just have a little, here's what you do when you really want something, you don't want them to have it. You just go over and take it and say, mine. You ever had to teach your, your two-year-old how to do that? No, they just like inherently do it. Because why? Why do they do that? Y'all tell me. Because they're born sinful. Because they're wicked little two-year-olds. That's what they are. We love them. Listen, if the, two, the only reason the two-year-old, if we allow that to happen, is because they're two and they're cute. But when you're 23 and you're doing that, why is it? Because we're born wicked. It's just, it's the theology of, of fallen man. You're born sinful. We're not born as a blank slate and the world puts good and bad into it, whichever, well, that's garbage. You're born sinful. But whenever you're redeemed and born again, you get, the Bible says, God will put in us a new heart, but we still struggle with the old man. Does that make sense? Just nod your head. You still struggle with that old that old flesh. Paul says it like this. Paul says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And then the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. You with me? You ever feel that way? Why? Because our heart is a sick full. And then, then Paul says this, oh, what a wicked man that I am. Now stay with me. He's not just talking to men. He's talking to women too. He's talking about all of us. Oh, what a wicked man that I am. And then Paul says this. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, stay with me for a second. I like to watch NCIS. I don't know if you'll watch this show. You 'll even know what that is. But it's a lot of death and, and cop shows, stuff like that. So anyway, they always have a dead body. All right? And on this on this word picture that Paul says who will deliver me from this body of death here's what he's saying you might have heard this before back in the, the days that Paul was teaching one of the ways to punish people was if you murdered somebody you would take the murdered body and you would strap it to the person who murdered them and they would have to carry the body around with them now for all of our law enforcement that's probably not a good idea you know, today but that was the way that it worked back then And then what would happen as the body would begin to decay, what would happen? The person that was carrying the body of death would catch that. Does that make sense? And they would get sick and they would begin to decay. That's what Paul's saying about us and our sinful man. Paul's redeemed. He's the greatest, arguably the greatest missionary ever. And he's saying, I'm having to carry around a body of death. And then he says, oh, what a wretched man that I am. And then he says, this is so good why we memorize scripture, but thanks be to God for what? His indescribable gift. Y'all realize how sinful you are? And I am too. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. Okay. You realize how sinful we are? When I realize how sinful and wicked I am, then I can say, thank you for the cross. you will get that. If you think you're just you know, kind of bad, you need to be a little bit better. We can't say thank you for the cross. When I realize that I deserve death, punishment, I don't deserve what God's given me. Then I can stand and say, Lord, thank you for the cross. And then Paul says in Romans 8, verse one, he says one of the greatest verses ever. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. For what? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord, right? Don't trust yourself. Trust in the Lord. And here's the result. He says the result is God will direct our paths. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says it a little bit different way. He says this. Do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a key little phrase there, renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to determine what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Paul says, don't follow the world. Don't be conformed to it. Be transformed by God's word, not by the world. The world will lie to you. It'll tell you what you want to hear. God's word tells you the truth, which is not necessarily what you want to hear. As we talked about last week, it's the absolute truth. It's what we go back to, whether the world says it's okay or not. It is the absolute truth. Are you living by what you think? Are you living by the absolute truth of God's word? Here's what even happens now. And this is just, we got to be real careful in the church because Christians are starting to do this. They're starting to say, I know the Bible says this, but today culture is different. Pastor Kenny and I talk about this all the time. Culture is different. So I have to change a little bit about what I think is right and wrong. As do you see what that's doing? That's taking God's word. Listen, and that's saying part of it's not applicable anymore. Listen to me, church. If that starts happening, then none of this is true. And if if that starts happening, then what we're standing on, God can't bless that anymore. And God will allow a church to go down because people will not stand on God's word. And listen, we could even draw a huge crowd here. Because the Bible says there's going to be people in the end times that have itching ears. And there's going to be preachers, listen, that tell the people what their itching ears want to hear. That's against God's word, church. We're not going to do that here, but can I just tell you, you are responsible for living this and studying this and knowing what's being preached and what is not. And if for some reason I stood up here to preach something that's not here, you need to call me on it, you need To call Pastor Kenny on it, or Pastor Scott, or at least, at least ask and say, hey, is that here? Because we're going to stand on the absolute truth of God's word. Paul says, renewing of your mind, you'll be able to determine what God's will is. And he will direct your paths. Uh, <clears throat> on March, not March, May 22nd. And this is July the 7th. So May 22nd, I went to the doctor for an uh, annual physical. These are just a blessing straight from the Lord. If you have an annual physical, you'll know what I'm talking about. My son had to go for a little annual physical for the, um, for the baseball team. And his blood pressure was... Um, 110 over 69 or something. Like, Daddy, is that good? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> My pulse was like 69. I'm like, You're 14. There's not an ounce of fat on your body. You're like a perfect specimen of, of a human. But I got a full-time job. And I've been doing this for 45 years. So in 31 years... Let's compare what our blood pressure is, because I'm already on a little bit of medicine. My blood pressure might be in a little bit lower than yours. Physical. Here's what the doctor said to me. Yo, um, I, I love that you, know, you have to have blood work and all, and so they did the little blood work, and, and I come back and sit down with the doctor, and, and uh, here's, what, here's what she said. She, said um, she sat down and she said, well, it's not that bad. You know what I'm talking about? Jared, when they say it's not that bad, he's kind of like, Something's coming. Of course, I knew it was coming. You know what I'm talking about? When you go to the doctor, you know it's coming. And she said, well, your triglycerides are a little bit high. And you're good, but there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. Do you know this? I didn't know this, but now I know this. Well, your good cholesterol is a little low and your bad cholesterol is just a little bit high. Now, we don't need medicine yet. I mean, what is this? I mean, I'm a pretty healthy, good looking guy. I'm like, come on, what, what's going on here? I don't eat badly. Well, I didn't think I did. And she said, uh, and you have fatty liver heck that is. Didn't sound good. So she sat down and looked at me straight in the face and she said, we need to change our diet. I thought, what is this? We, what are you talking about? Are you going to change your diet with me? She's not. Dr. Caliserto is like, we need to change the diet. Like she's on my team with me. You know, we need to change our diet. And then she said, and we need to probably, um, lose about 10% of our body weight. I started figuring. I said, 10%? She said, yeah. I said, that's 23 pounds. And y'all can do the math. And don't judge me. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You worry about your own stuff. You, wor- you worry about your own stuff, okay? Go to the doctor. See what they say your perfect body weight is, whatever. I feel good the way I look. But um, that's funny. But you know what we need to do? We need to do a spiritual examination from time to time. We need to examine our own hearts. Are we trusting in the Lord? Are we trusting in ourselves? Point number four, verse seven and eight. Solomon says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil for it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now this is an interesting, interesting little, if you'll do this, this will happen. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's the proverb. That's the command from God's word. The whole book of Proverbs is basically based on Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Be wise in God's eyes and not your own. And some people have taken that word fear and they've watered it down. They've said, you know, we really don't need to be scared of God. Hold on. Hold on. Listen to me, church. God is... God is holy. God is so much above us. There needs to be a healthy fear of him. God's not just our little buddy and just our I, mean, I love the song I'm a friend of God, he calls me friend. But that was Abraham that was God's friend and he he obeyed God's commands which the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, God counted to him as what? Righteousness. God's is not just a friend of everybody. God is holy and we need to fear him. And Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it starts. It goes back to the truth of God's word. So here's the result. He says, now the result, this is interesting, is going to be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now, why would the writer say healing to your body? And he's talking about your physical body here. As I was studying a little bit, I want you to follow along with me because many of us know somebody that's dealing with this, or maybe we're ourselves dealing with some pain in our body. Or maybe some emotional pain. The writer said this because some sin can cause some physical pain. Now, let me just explain what I mean by that. Sin can bring on stress, sin can bring on anxiety. And I, I personally believe that sometimes sin can bring on depression. Now, not all pain is caused by sin, okay? I'm not saying that at all. My son plays baseball and his friend Ethan, a couple of weeks ago, was, was at practice. They were in a scrimmage and they're, they're pretty good ball players. And so, I mean, you know, they're 14, 14 and under. And, and Ethan, the um, ball was coming at Ethan and Ethan wasn't paying attention. And the ball hit Ethan square in the nose. I mean, this is boys throwing the ball hard. This isn't like Little League, okay? And uh, it broke Ethan's nose. And Ethan had to go to the emergency room and um, fractured nose and had to do a little bit of plastic surgery and the whole deal. That wasn't caused by sin. That was caused because Ethan wasn't paying attention. And can I just tell you, we could take that. Sometimes I'm not paying attention and it causes pain in my life. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we're just not paying attention. But, Some pains and depressions and anxieties can be caused by sin. You may want to turn over to James chapter 5. This is just a great passage dealing dealing with our sin. Here's what the Bible has to say. You may see it on the screen too. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Now stop real quick. Confess your sins to each other. If you write in your Bible, I'd put a little parentheses around the phrase, each other or circle it. It doesn't say confess your sins to God. Now stay with me. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So clearly we have to confess our sin to God, but he says confess your sins to each other and what's going to happen so that you may be, what's the next word? Anybody see it? Say it again. So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So here's the principle, and you may want to write this down. The context of this is physical sickness and physical healing. Now, I don't understand how God heals and why God heals. I know that God does from time to time. And sometimes he doesn't from time to time. And there can be a godly person that is living a godly life and God chooses not to heal. That's God's decision, okay? But here's here's a principle. If I repent of my sin and confess it to God, I gain forgiveness, okay? But when I confess my sin... To another human being, physical or spiritual healing can begin. When I confess my sin to God and repent of it, I get forgiveness from God. But James says, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. Now, that may be a spiritual healing, that may be a physical healing. I I heard a story of a a pastor, Francis Chan, um, who's just just a great teacher, just a kind of a plain guy. Theologian, But uh, somebody came up to him and said, Pastor Chan, will you pray for me that I be healed? Because he was very, very sick. And Pastor Chan said, I'll be glad to pray for you that you're healed. But he said, is there any sin that you're living in right now that we need to confess? You need to confess with me before I can pray for you. Because the Bible says, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. And he said, well, um, I'm living with my girlfriend. Pastor Chan said, that's, that's sin are you willing to confess that and stop living with your girlfriend? He goes, no. Well, I can't, I can't pray for you to be healed because the Bible says, confess your sins to one other that you may be healed, but you've got to confess your sin to God first that you may gain what forgiveness. See God's word is God's it's absolute truth. If we're either going to believe it or we're not. So am I going to live by it or am I just going to say, Oh, I'm sick now No, I'm not willing to stop living in sin. Would you pray for me to be healed? See, it doesn't work that way. God's word is the absolute truth. I love how David puts it in Psalms chapter 51. David, you know the story. He's risen to kingship and then he abdicated his job as a man and as a, a king. And he didn't go to war. That's where the sin for David starts. You realize he abdicated his responsibility. Man, we all have responsibilities. God's called us to to follow him and then take care of our families, which means go to work. And the second that, that we quit doing some of those things that God set up, that's when temptation comes. So David, we know the story, falls in temptation and he sins not only because of lust and then adultery and, and then it leads to deception and then it leads to murder and he's got to cover all that up. Finally, Nathan, the prophet comes to him and, and tells him the story and convicts him of his sin, right? And finally, David repents. And I love how he says this. In Psalms chapter 51. Now, listen for the healing that takes place. He says in verse 8, Let me hear joy and gladness. <clears throat> Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, listen, the joy of your salvation. He's talking to God, not my salvation, your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then, listen what happens. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. So that sinners will turn back to you. Here's what the proverb says. Fear the Lord. Turn away from your sin. Confess it to somebody else so that they can hold you accountable. So you don't stay in that lifestyle of sin. Then you can have joy. Point number five, verse nine and 10. I love this one. I love it. I mean, like, this is my, this is probably the favorite part of this sermon. Last two weeks that I'm getting to preach and you're going to go, huh? But I just, I love it. Verse nine and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, this is easy. This is so easy. People in the church make money issues so hard, but this, is, this really is so easy. Give to God first. Scripture commands a tithe. And then, in the New Testament, adds to it and says, be generous. Give to God first. Scripture commands a tithe, which is 10%. And then New Testament ads, be generous. Now just stay with me for a second. For those of you like, oh, you're going to preach on, on, on money. I, I might actually preach on money at some point if we have another open Sunday. I've got a great, so I can't wait. Love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, because so many people think that when you preach on money, you're preaching on tithing, and that's not what you're doing. When I talk about money, I'm talking about God's view of money. By the way, God owns it all. I don't care if you would agree with me or not. God owns it all. He gives it all. He takes it all away. It's all God. Okay. So if you start looking at money that way, he says, honor God with your first possessions, point number five. So this means give God your tithe, the first 10%. Now, um, I've taught, I've taught this message before, and I've always had a an interesting response from, from everybody, especially young couples. Okay. Especially young couples. And we start understanding money just a little bit differently. People begin to get control of their money instead of their money, having control of them. If you you know, people that have the money have control of them, or maybe that's you. And you just be honest going, that's kind of me. Well, here's the deal. It's easy. Tithe first, then pay your bills. Now many people, many people i 've done this a hundred times will go, well, i just can 't do that well, hold on, yeah, yeah, you can absolutely, you absolutely can, because if you have one hundred percent of something you take ten percent out of it and you've still got ninety percent, you can do it, yeah, 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 but, but, but but, but, I love that I love I love the butts so what 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 about if i can 't pay all my bills? Oh, oh, well, I get it well now that 's god 's problem because i 've taken the first ten percent said, god i 'm going to honor you with this, but the rest of it, well god i can 't afford that truck payment hold on see now i'm getting a little bit too close to home right i can't i can't afford i had this one one couple i was um counseling because i counsel people a lot with financial issues and jason and oh my gosh what's his wife's name forgot his wife's name they were in my Sunday school class i really loved them i promise i did but i just forgot their name so anyway so we're sitting and jason says i've got a motorcycle and a truck but i can't tithe i was like which one do you love more he said well I love the truck more, but I really need that motorcycle. I said, sell the motorcycle. I can't sell the motorcycle. That's the only thing I do for fun. I'm like, who cares about fun? You're married and you've got two kids. There's no fun here. (laughs) I mean, we're laughing, but I was was like, you're not selling the motorcycle forever. Sell the motorcycle so you can take care of your wife and your kids. His daughter had some foot surgery and she had to use a walker and stuff, so I'm like, Jason, just sell it for now and then, and then buy it back. Why? Because his possessions had control of him. Jesse, Jason Jesse. Sorry, I just, I'm 45. Every once in a while it's starting to go. Some of y'all are older than me, so don't laugh. Many of y'all, are, actually many of y'all are older than me. So we'll just leave it there. So the tithe means 10%. And here's the result. You will be, listen, the Bible says this. Now, if this is absolute truth, then we've got to go, okay, God, are you going to come through on your truth? Look what it says. Your barns, verse 10, will be what? Filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You're going to have not just enough, as Pastor Kenny was saying earlier, God's going to bless you with more than enough. I was talking to a couple, in fact, because I was counseling them a couple of weeks ago, <coughs> two Monday nights ago, sitting down with a cup of coffee, and they've been married for 13 years, and they're getting on a budget, and they're, they're doing well. But they said, we've got these other medical bills. How do we characterize them, to, categorize them to, to pay them off, and how do we get out of debt and all this stuff? So I was kind of helping them kind of work through that. But here's what, here's what Morgan said. It was Daniel and Morgan, and Morgan said this, the girl. The wife, She's 13 years. She said, for 13 years, we've always lived paycheck to paycheck. Now, can anybody in here relate to living paycheck to paycheck? I can. Okay, the rest of y'all are lying. Some of y'all just need to raise your hand and just just own it, okay? Um, She said, for for 13 years, we've lived paycheck to paycheck. But for the last six months, we've started uh, tithing, and we've started budgeting our money and planning where it goes, write it down, like write it down. Like, like write it down and, and look at it regularly and decide we're going to spend this much and we're not going to spend any more than that. And she said, we've started tithing 10%, which actually is the definition of tithe. People say, well, you can tithe 5%. No, you can't. The definition of tithe is 10%. You can give 5%. That's fine. I think it's great. The Bible says 10%. Tithe is 10%. She said this. She said, I don't know how it happened. We got money left over. Never had money left over. I said, I'll tell you exactly how it happened, Morgan. It's the supernatural principle of God's economy. And here's what it means. God can do more with 90% or 80% or 70% than you can do with 100%. And I'm going to tell you, I've failed the Lord in so many ways over my Christian life. been a believer for Forty years. Thirty eight years. I failed the Lord. This is one area where I can honestly say I don't think i failed the Lord much. I feel like I've tithed pretty much the whole my whole life. Can I tell you? The principle of God's economy, you cannot outgive God. Now only know you know if you're giving. And I just tell you in our church, I, I, I don't know the I'm not the administrator I was administrator of my last church, but I'm not I don't do anything with the money here except give. I give money. <laughs> Uh, which is great. And the church takes care of me very well. So anyway, but here's, here's what I know just by talking to you. There's many of you that are givers. But There's not very many of us that are tithers. Let me tell you what would happen. If every one of us tithes, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty at all. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That is not the pastor's job. If you ever feel guilty by Pastor Scott, Pastor Kenny, Pastor me, that's not us. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay, so take the guilt away. But if we, were to, if we were to tithe, every person that could tithe, now you realize we've got senior adults that are retired, and they're, by the way, they're probably tithing more than most of the rest of us. But anyway, just back to this. Um, let me tell you what would happen. We would be able to take care of our ministries. We wouldn't have to cut the budget. We would have money. We would have to have committee meetings going, we've got all this extra money. How are we going to minister with it? What are we going to do to get rid of all this extra money? Do you see that? I promise you that would happen. Gosh, it gets so quiet. And when you start talking about people's money, it's just, hey, it's time for lunch, let's go. All right, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says this. The only reason I'm so excited about this is because I've seen it work. Okay? Kenny knows pretty much my whole story, but when my wife and I got married, we had a lot of debt. Not, we didn't make stupid decisions. We just student loans and stuff. And we've honored God with our money and talked to wise people and, I've pretty much been a minister my whole life. My wife's a school teacher, and she was a, a nanny before that. So we don't make much money, <clears throat> but we've honored God with our money. And I can tell you our story, and we have paid off thousands of dollars—not to brag at all, okay? It's all the Lord. We've paid off over a hundred thousand dollars of debt in twenty-one years. Just the Lord, this is the Lord. Malachi 3 verse 10 says this, test me in this. It's the only time in the Bible that God says, test me. Now listen to me. Those of you that have kind of turned the dial off and said, ah, he's talking about money. I'm, no, just just stay with me. Test me in this. It's the only time God says it. And he says, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out the blessings. There's a couple, Lindsay and Nick, friends of, friends of mine, they're actually youth of mine. And And they got married, and I was doing the counseling. Pastor Kenny did the wedding, but I did the counseling. And and I was talking to him about money, and and they're both Christian kids. Um, And uh, one of them, Lindsay, she tithed. But Nick, he said, I can't afford to tithe. I said, I get it. He said, I'm working three jobs, and I'm barely making. We're trying to pay for a wedding and all this. Nick, I got it. I said, let me just tell you. I explained the principle of God's economy. I said, I just want to challenge you. Just try it. Just try it. I'm not here to judge you. You're in charge of your own money, the whole deal. So they get married and it's a week or a month or two later and Lindsay sends me a, a text or an email and says, thank you so much for your counseling, yada, 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 yada. Um, we're married and we love each other and, you know, we'll live on love. You know how you are the first couple of months and, and then reality sets in. But anyway, they were just still kind of right there and, and they were just like, everything's great. I said, great. How's Nick's business doing? Because he was, had three businesses. She said, well, he started tithing and business is booming started tithing first before things were good and business is booming. God says, test me in this and see if I won't overflow. Can I just tell you there are seniors in our church right now. They could tell you story after story after story of God's provision because they honored God with their first fruits. There's, there's people older than me in their mid fifties that could tell you story after story how God Has honored them and protected them and provided for them because they honored God, even when they didn't have it. Because that's when the rubber meets the road. What does the scripture say? Honor the Lord with your wealth. From the first of all your produce. Here we have it. From last week and this week, we've got five different commands, five different results. And I want to say five different questions. So as we kind of go towards our invitation time, just stay with me for just a second. Keep God's commands. That's command number one. Let me ask you this question. Are you keeping God's commands? Are you living a lifestyle of godliness? Or is that one or two sin that keeps slipping in that you haven't totally killed? You know what God's telling you today? It's time to take care of that sin. Repent. Tell somebody else. Number two, he says, be kind and live in absolute truth. Remember, bind them around your neck. Write them on your heart. Is there an absolute truth do you live by? Or do you go, well, not real sure that I'm going to totally, totally believe all of God's word. Today is the day to say, this is my absolute truth. Number three, are you trusting in the Lord? Or are you trusting in something else? He says, trust in the Lord, not your own circumstances. Number four, fear the Lord and turn away From evil, is there any evil in your life that you need to turn away from? That you need to repent to God and then tell somebody else about? In a size, this, in a congregation this size, listen, there is. There is sin right here in this room that needs to be repented of. And let me tell you what happens when that happens. You start repenting of sins, and 2 Chronicles 7 14 happens, which means revival starts here. Revival starts with me. And then revival goes to you. Does that make sense? It's the return to holiness. When I start getting right with God, then other people start getting right with God. What sin do you need to confess and turn away from today? And number five, are you honoring God with your first possessions? Today's invitation is going to be very similar to last week. We're going to offer anybody that wants to receive Christ or that needs to join our church, we're going to offer you to come and and meet with Pastor Kenny, our counselors here. But here's the invitation for every person here. Now, many of you, you hear the invitation and you go, oh, I can just sit right here and in five minutes we're gone. I'm not going to move. But listen, if the Holy Spirit's working in your life, that's a scary place to be. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if God's working in your heart, I want to challenge you when we stand to to sing in just a minute that we just keep our heads bowed and you come fill this altar and you talk to God you need to go to somebody else you go talk to them because we want the Holy Spirit to move fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom let me pray Heavenly Father I thank you for the truth that we've heard and Lord I just pray that um, that people would be bold enough to say you know what I need to do business with God today. I need to deal with one or more of these issues. I need to begin living in absolute truth or I need to stop trusting myself and trust the Lord. Maybe I need to turn away from a certain evil that I keep turning to every single day, every single night. I need to turn away from it. And I need to fear the Lord. Maybe I need to confess my sin, not just to God over and over again, but I need to confess it to somebody else so that, Lord, we can have accountability. Lord, maybe we need to begin to honor you with our possessions, with the first fruits. God, it's right here in your word. So I believe that your truth has been taught as best I can. Lord, I believe that your Holy Spirit is moving. Lord, I just want to ask this. That you wouldn't miss any person in this place. That whatever you want to do, that every single person, from me all the way up to the eagle's nest, Lord, we would be able to say, you know what? Holy Spirit dealt with me. Because, God, if we have a church full of people where the Holy Spirit's moving, we're going to have a church full of revival. So I pray, God, that this altar would be full to your glory. Not for anything that we've done. Not to praise Buck Creek Baptist Church, but God, so we could see lives changed. So that we could see our communities changed and our small groups changed. And ultimately, Lord, we could see revival happen. Now, Lord, only you can do that. So I just pray as we sing here in just a minute, Lord, if there's those that need to come, they would do that. Lord, we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask.